How do you achieve a winning mindset? I know so much in life and in business, we talk about a winning mindset and a losing mindset. And really, I don't believe in a losing mindset, but how do you really navigate, hone in, focus so you can win in life and business? Let's talk about it, but first, let's bring in the show. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog, business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red. Hi, everybody. It's Roy Red, five-time best-selling author, internationally recognized speaker, and your host of this show, The Entrepreneur Underdog where we bring you secrets to help you win in life and business so that underdogs Mm -hmm. can prove their haters wrong, but in a positive way. Today, I am super excited. We have Marty Strong. Marty has done so many great things. Marty is a retired Navy SEAL officer and combat veteran. He is a novelist, uh, a practicing CEO and chief strategy officer, and the author of Be Nimble, which I can't wait to talk to him about his book today. Let's bring him in. Where's he at? Where's he at? Marty, how you doing, man? Doing good, Roy. How you doing? Thank you for being with us today. I was looking at your bio yesterday and preparing for this interview. And uh, first off, man, Navy SEAL, how was that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it... Looking back on it, it's a it's a lot more fun in my memory than it was during <laughs> during the good. twenty years because you get beat up pretty bad. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good time. It was a, it was a really good time. Yeah, you know, I was watching the show called The Selection, where they took all these you know random people from different jobs and they had them go through uh, something similar to budge training. And man, I fell in love with that show, and I I coveted wanting to go through budge training just to test myself and um you know anyone who's been through that knows what a winning mindset is knows what not quitting is and knows how to really stretch and take their mind to another level and not just talking about it they've they've proven it so um i'm super excited to talk to you today about um your book and uh some of your ideas and thinking tools on how you navigate this winning mindset so real quick tell us about who you are and uh what are you currently into uh these days so i grew up in uh, nebraska and after my parents got divorced i ended up traveling a lot of places before i graduated high school mm-hmm. it was in four, di- four different high schools in four different years mm-hmm. and decided i was going to join the navy not not to be a seal but to uh be a radar and air traffic control expert so I went through that school and I ended up at SEAL training anyway. Mm-hmm. So I went through BUDS, about 126 guys started. We had 13 original students graduate six months later. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned Hell Week. Half of the class was gone before Hell Week. And then the other half of the class left during Hell Week. So, yeah. uh, you know, that was the, the early part of the SEAL experience. And then after 20 years in the teams, I got into managing money with United Bank of Switzerland. And then I've, I've been a, a practicing CEO and, and chief strategy officer pretty much for the last 12, 12 years mm-hmm. straight. 
So we're going to get into the business side real quick. But just to be curious, what made you want to go through BUDS? You said you were there to do uh, air traffic controlling. Uh, what 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 lit the fire inside of you to make you want to go um, <laughs> kind of be mean to yourself? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you the short version of the story. The uh, There was a mistake in my orders. I didn't know what SEALs were. Uh, when I went through, they weren't very popular. There weren't movies and things about, about SEAL teams. I knew a lot about the Green Berets, but not about SEAL teams. So the um, the end result of me taking a swim test in boot camp, which I didn't realize or recognize was a SEAL part of a SEAL test, mm-hmm. I ended up at the end of graduating radar school. My orders diverted me to Coronado, California to, to uh, go through the SEAL training. And when I got there, uh, a wise old Vietnam veteran, Master Chief SEAL, took me aside uh, at 17, 18 years old. I, I just did what I was told. And he said, why don't you just try it? Come on. You know, what do you, what do you have to lose? Yeah. And I just went along with the flow. And next thing you know, I, I was one. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, um, that's crazy how things just kind of, I kind of have a similar story. Things just kind of go your way through 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 grace and through just something we can't really explain that leads us to doing what we are doing today real quick let's say hi to everybody in chat we are talking to marty strong about how to achieve a winning mindset we had a few people jump into chat so you guys uh, if you want to talk to marty say a comment or just ask this question you can do that on the right side if you're on youtube that's going to be below if you're on facebook or linkedin and if you're somewhere else, we don't even know where you comment, but I'm sure there's somewhere that you can comment and uh, like and share and subscribe. So, Marty, CEO life, what does that look like? I know you're probably busy, um, you know, doing doing what you got to do, but you have mastered time management and mastered uh, finding your lead measures that lead to the results that you have in your life, what what does your day kind of look like and how do you stay productive? Well, first to answer, you know, I don't know if I answered your question earlier completely, mm-hmm. but the motivation when you're going through a SEAL, um, SEAL training, mm-hmm. it's all internal motivation. They aren't motivating you at all. If anything, they're trying to get you to decide to leave. So yeah. you end up deciding to win the, the argument with the voice in your head that's telling you that this is too hard, this is too tough. Um, you can't do any more. You can't go any longer. Um, mm-hmm. water and, and that acknowledgement, that understanding of how to deal with that voice in your head mm-hmm. becomes kind of a core part of your motivating model for the rest of your life. So okay. it doesn't matter if I was managing money or now as a CEO, I'm not waking up every morning and listening to all those doubts kicking in and, and all those voices telling me that I can achieve, I can't solve the problem that, uh, been rattling around in my head for the last week related to the business. I, I I know I can solve those problems. I know that I just need to clear my mind, kind of have a little bit of um, intellectual humility, and then look at everything kind of, you know, bare bones, fresh, and try to problem solve from scratch. It That's the key to it. I, th- I think any CEO that's successful is barraged with high risk, kind of high drama, high tension questions and problems. And if they don't come up with some kind of a coping mechanism like that, if they don't have a way of being self-driven and motivated, and obviously the time, time management is a big part of that. You, you, but part of time management is you don't sit and dwell about what's going wrong. You don't worry and wonder. 
you sit down and you basically roll your sleeves up and get to work. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of how I, I approach the CEO job and the, the root, the roots of those, of, the, of that skill set, I guess, is, is all the way back in the SEAL teams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you said two things I really want to unpack. Um, first is managing that inner voice. Um, you know, I talk about a lot that it all comes down to our self-talk. Is there any tools, any anything that people can do to manage that inner voice? Because it seems like um, that inner voice, which is voices that aren't even us a lot of times, they're voices from our childhood or, or you know, past traumas. Um, how do we manage that so we can go from having PTSD to having PTG, post-traumatic growth, where we can clear our heads and, and roll our sleeves up and, and get to work like you mentioned? Sure. Uh, one, one key is that you be the voice in your head and not listen to the voice in your head. I mean, you drive, you drive the narrative. You decide, you know, how your mind is going to operate from the minute you wake up every morning. You, you sit there and you look at the world and you look at your life and you look at your list of things that you think you have to deal with, depending on whether you're a father, you know, a, a son, a, a mother, or have some function technically in, in business or another organization. And then you don't let that all overwhelm you. And if you start to hear that little voice, well, I don't know if you have enough time or enough resources. I don't know if that, I have enough help. You just basically, well, maybe we don't. We're going to find it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to we're going to sit down and we're going to talk to smart people and we're going to gather as much information, as much knowledge from experts and, and just people with great insights. And we're going to toss that problem in front of all of them. And we're going to listen and we're going to learn and we're going to execute. Take care. Take charge of the voice. Be the voice. Don't don't listen to it. What you're listening to is a sum total of all your subconscious, you know, concerns. And as you said, Roy, it's it's a it's a big pile up of past failures and things. And rather than seeing them as as advantages mm -hmm. to growth, to personal growth, there's a part of your subconscious that's telling you, look out. You know, it's the flight or flight thing, yeah. a fight or flight. You your subconscious is telling you, you know, warning, 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 don't do it. This is yeah. too much. And you just have to shut it down. Yeah. Take charge. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching something really cool. It was a show called um, Rating IQ. And they took these people, you know, some were like scientists, some were kids that went to MIT. And there was one guy who was just, I forgot what job he had, but he was uh, in, the, in the Marines. And all these people are talking about what do you think makes you smart? What do you think um, uh, attributes to IQ test? And everyone thought he had the smallest IQ. And he was kind of the most arrogant. He said, I know I have a, a high IQ. And, you know, they were like talking about EQ, emotional intelligence. He was like, I've never even heard of that before. But one thing he said that matches what you said is he said, in the military, you have to learn how to problem solve. And he said, that's what I think being smart is. I don't think it has to do with school. I think it has to do with your ability of, of, of rolling up your sleeves and problem solving. And so they went through this IQ test and the girl that they thought was gonna have the best IQ ended up having the worst. And this guy who was a Marine ended up having the third best. And he was only a couple points below Mensa, which is a 132, I believe he was 130. And so uh, that lines up with exactly what you said, but how do we 
problem solve? You know, how do we, um, um, is that a skill that you develop over time? Is that something that uh, you can learn? Um, how do you uh, uh, do that per se and uh, get the confidence to be able to do that? I think you have to kind of divide and split the concepts of attitude and aptitude. Mm-hmm. You're not going to solve any problems if your attitude stinks. So back to what we were, we were discussing a few seconds ago, you have to look at the world as a set of challenges, a set of opportunities. Uh, failure is just a way to learn. Failure is, is I mean, if you, were, if you were a professional boxer or wanted to be one, would you ever think about, I'll just, I won't go into the ring. I'll just keep hitting this bag until somebody gives me a prize fight. It doesn't work that way. You have to get in there. You have to, you know, get your licks, learn, learn the trade, figure out your, your weaknesses and strengths. That's the same thing as far as the attitude is I'm willing to go into the arena. I'm willing to take the shots and learn and go through the time it takes to develop myself. Attitude is to me is much, much more valuable than aptitude. Cause I think if with a great attitude, aptitudes the next thing is just going to fall in your fall in your lap yeah you can seek out aptitude you can either hire it you can temporarily uh, access it like you know the internet and other sources or you can actually train and get certified or learn if you really want to be that you know that technical expert but it's all out there especially nowadays you know there's so much information that you have access to so the first part's attitude make sure your attitude's right and if your attitude's right and you're hungry and you want to learn and you're not afraid of making some mistakes and getting in that arena, then the aptitude part kind of happens next. And so problem solving is probably 75% attitude and 25% aptitude. What, what is being nimble? And after you kind of define that for us, what motivates you to write this book? And what would this book do for the reader? So in the SEAL teams, uh, we, you know, just like we were just discussing about IQ, they used to actually do the, the formal IQ test and they stopped that in the 1980s in the Navy. And yet there's another, there's another battery of exams that, uh, is a, that's aptitude across a lot of different skill sets, math and, and uh, writing and mechanical aptitudes, et cetera. And that's how they, the Navy picks people for different jobs in the Navy. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a very, very high score to be a SEAL, to even get into the program, according to that test. Mm-hmm. So you're starting with a group of people that have a very high aptitude, but their, in, their intelligence is, is very high too. And yeah. I'd say much more in the conceptual side of the intelligence, yeah. because to be a problem solver, to be creative, well, let's put it this way, to be, to be a problem solver, you need to be creative. You need to be yeah. imaginative and you need to kind of chill out a little bit and let all the different wild piece of information fly around for a while and start to settle out before you just start deciding. And the way we did things in the teams, we all got in the room and we solved the problem. We tossed up whatever the mission was, you know, the distances to the mission, the distances mm-hmm. to the, you know, from an airplane to the, to the ground or from a boat to the beach and then from the mm-hmm. beach to the target. And then what do we do in the target? And all these different things would be banged around by, you know, anywhere upwards of 20 different people, not yeah. the officers, but all the SEAL enlisted guys. So what I found was that that methodology, that open creativity, that kind of one way you look at it is an open architecture, you know, operating system where everybody can throw in their two cents and everybody can help uh, solve the problem. Yeah. It is very flexible. I mean, it's very, very um, uh, nimble and agile. 
So flash, flash forward a couple of years, you know, and all of a sudden the big thing in, in business is, you know, agile leadership and agile management and yeah. being, being, you know, well, that's, that's great. But I practice that my peers practice that. And I tried to take that idea into every single job, every single position I've ever had once I was out of uniform. Yeah. It was, it felt comfortable to me, but I wasn't finding places to work or usually people to work with that were comfortable with that, that kind of open free fire uh, exchange of ideas. They were much, much more rigid org charts, ranks, titles, you know, as much as the military seems to get that, you know, that stigma. Yeah. I came out and seemed like, you know, you can't just walk into some guy's office. It's two levels above you and say, Hey, I've got this great idea to solve this problem. I heard about on the conference call today, you know, they'll just boot you out. Yeah. So, so I wrote the book, be nimble, uh, how the creative Navy SEAL mindset wins on the battlefield and in business, because I realized that by applying it as a CEO and, and a leader in business for the last um, several years, that it was actually having great effect. And once I trained the subordinate leaders and everybody else, mm -hmm. part of that training was for them to relax, you know, and not worry about failing or saying something stupid. But once I got them thinking that way, their attitude became positive, leaning forward, participatory. Let's get yeah. in, let's contribute. And I thought, well, I bet you other people would love to hear this, you know, yeah. applied to business. So that's why I wrote the book. Yeah. Okay. If I'm rigid and I just need to become more nimble, is there some steps? How can I start to uh, uh, get on that journey to becoming more nimble so I can, so I can win? Well, the first and probably the hardest thing to do Mm -hmm. is and it has, goes back to the attitude component yeah what i found is people that i've talked to and that i've mentored and coached they wake up every morning and they're basically you know the term baggage so the the baggage that that clutters their mind from the second their eyes open is a combination of all the good things and all the bad things that have ever happened to them yeah now we all know that you know therapists and all that try to go deep and find out what are all the driving components of somebody's subconscious that that may be, you know, motivating them and, and influencing their behavior. Mm -hmm. But I'm talking about something as simple as your ego is, is sky high because you got a bonus and you got promoted and you wake up, your eyes open, your eyes open up, you wake up and you can do no wrong. Yeah. You're a winner. You're a winner. You're on top of your game. Um, or the reverse of that, something bad happened. You just had a divorce two months ago or you lost a big account. Mm -hmm. And so you wake up, I'm a loser. So what you have to do from the second you wake up is just clear your mind of both the positive and the negative baggage. Get rid of all that. Don't even don't even look at it. That experience and most of the education that you've had before that morning is either irrelevant or it's already dated. The world's moved on. There's no there's no reason to dwell on it. So that gives you an open mind. If you can achieve this and when you walk into the next set of problems, you're not carrying forward either of these emotional positive or negative kind of influences and it makes it, it makes it easier for you to sit back and listen to what people are telling you about what's going on, ask great questions, and then start getting a lot of brain power onto the problem. Yeah. And that's how you stay nimble. You stay nimble and flexible and agile by being open-minded. Yeah. You know, my, my dad always says that, um, that, um, fatigue makes cowards of men. And so he always preaches mental stamina. And so, you know, just him, you know, training me, I was lucky to have a good father who kind of trained me and having mental stamina, 
how can we increase our mental stamina? Uh, obviously, you've been through the hardest <laughs> uh, taxing thing on your on your mind on this planet. How do we um, be that self-talk um, instead of just listening to it? So it's it's basic behavior modification. You have to decide what you're going to do and do it every single day mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. This if is- uh, if you if you're going to brush your teeth every single day and you brush your teeth every single day, you've made it a habit. You know that's uh, that's something you've taken the time and you make the effort every morning to to take care of. So, mm-hmm. for like in my case, I decided to write novels, and in 2017, I decided that the best Did five. I write for about an hour yeah. and I've been doing that seven days a week ever since 2017. And that's produced eight novels and, and, and two business books. So that's a discipline to me, getting up every morning and getting a cup of coffee and not writing feels like I went three days without brushing my teeth. I mean, it feels weird, odd. It's a part of me now that yeah. that behavior has been, been, uh, been uh, dialed in. If I went long enough and didn't write, maybe you know 60 days it would start to fade and it would no longer be part of my my behavior my pattern so any discipline that any anybody wants to focus on uh working out you know writing was one of the things i wanted to do and i didn't think i'd get it done during the middle of a day um learning a learning a language learning a skill taking classes whatever it is you have to carve out the time where you're not going to be interrupted and then you have to make a behavioral decision this is going to be a part of me from this point forward, period. And that's just something you have to do for yourself. And that's one of the voices I've said, when you take charge in your head, that's the narrative that's coming from you. And if there's any voices in the back of your head saying, well, we don't have enough time. I don't know how we're going to do this. They say, look, you know, you guys just shut up. We're going to figure this out. We're going to price this thing out. I'm going to find the time and I'm going to make it happen. Even if I write, you know, a paragraph a day and it takes me a year to finish a book, I can still do it. Yeah. So, so that's that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good. Um, really quick, everyone who is on live right now, we are talking to Marty Strong about how to how to achieve a winning mindset, and he's just been dropping gems. Um, Marty, I want to ask some fast acting questions. Uh, you don't have to answer them fast, but uh, this is like the questions that we ask everybody uh, on the show. Uh, one. What is your favorite book that you've read and why, or a book that's changed your life? Uh, let's see. Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. Tipping the, point. Uh, yeah, he wrote the book about probably about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. He's written some other books since then. But The Tipping Point was, um, he took the uh, Center for Disease Control studies about viruses and when they became epidemic. And he applied them to business and marketing and communications and uh, uh, cultural trends and basically showed how that any idea, any concept, anything can become viral. And it acts exactly like an actual virus. Yeah. And that's where this whole viral term came from. And I read that book. I've read that book like four times. Yeah. Uh, he goes yeah. into the six degrees of separation. He goes into experiments mm-hmm. where it shows how. One person doesn't know somebody in New York City and they're in, Mo- in Montana or something. 
they just within a couple of people with a connection just passing i'm looking for this guy they connect with him in under six six human beings so yeah. that made me realize that both negative and positive messages can either be observed and understood if they're going viral or they can be generated and nurtured if you want them to go viral yeah so that, that i i think i think about that book and now as i'm selling my own book i, I think yeah. about that concept in in, in uh, mcdowell's book a lot yeah 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 i love malcolm um he had his latest book talking to strangers is really good it was really really good check it out if you haven't um what is your favorite quote or a quote that you live by and why uh i've got two of them one is chance favors the prepared mind that's louis pasteur uh, i like that because i believe that you create your own destiny by hard work and discipline and there's nothing that you're listening to or looking at that you can absorb and learn from that's that's a waste in your life at some point you'll you'll find this weird moment where all these weird things that you understood and learned and listened to and and uh, tried to learn you know proactively suddenly become valuable in this new position or new situation you find yourself in yeah. so i i've seen that in motion I, I really like that the other one is uh lead follower get out of the way and i'm not exactly sure who uh <laughs> that quote comes from but i like it because in in my experience in my life there are people that are that are you know, taking counsel of that negative voice in their mind. They don't want to take risks. And so therefore they don't want to decide. And, you know, that's okay for a while if you're, you're trying to gather information, whatever, but if you're trying to avoid the risk of the decision, then you, that becomes a problem. And in some businesses like life and death businesses, like I used to be in, yeah. or in somebody's life savings, like when I was managing money at UBS, yeah. um, those are, those are, you can't wait. You have to make a decision. You have to decide or you have to step out of the way and and say okay you're in charge you lead this and i'll support you any way i can and being a good follower in a mature organization is uh is a really good character trait yeah you don't see it very often because the egos get in the way but you know to step out of the way and say you're the smartest guy in the room right now you take charge go i'll help you and then the third one is get out of the way well if you're not going to lead and you're not going to be a follower and help you know mm -hmm. you're not going to pick up pick up a bucket full of water and run towards the fire. Well, then you're in the way. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I like that quote. Yeah. If you could have spend a day with anyone who's ever lived in history, who would it be and why? Uh, probably Jesus. Yeah. Probably Jesus Christ. Yeah. It'd be like the jackpot. I think <laughs> I could get, <laughs> It'd be like one of those funny things where you get three wishes and the first wish is give me 10 more wishes. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I don't think you'd, uh, you'd, the time would be up and you still would have like tons of stuff to learn. And yeah, that's what it'd be. Yeah. I was, that's one I always say too, as well. It changes, but only thing that would be hard is like, you would ask him a question and he would give you like a story and you'd be like, just give me the answer. Oh. How do I win? How do I create a winning mindset? And he'll be like, yeah. You think well, he, he's going to fill up, he's going to filibuster with parables, huh? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But, um, that's great. That's great. What is success to you? What does winning and success mean to you? I've had some time to think about this also. I, um, mm -hmm. it's changed over time as I've, as I've gotten older Yeah. 
And I think in the beginning, and what I see a lot of people still kind of adhere to this. Yeah. You, the, the context of success is something that somebody painted for you. Yeah. So whether it was your parents, whether it was your, your teachers, whether if you're in the military, it was your military uh, uh, influencers, uh, bosses, peers, you know, coworkers. And, and so you kind of bounce around depending on where you are in your life, following everybody's different, you know, set of set of goals for, for success for personal success. Yeah. I've never believed that mon that money was a symbol of success. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, believe that for me, it's positively influencing either events or people. Yeah. If I can somehow be involved and things or people are better for that involvement, that contribution. And I don't care if there's a cash register ring at the end of it or not, that that's what makes me feel great. I mean, that makes, that's a good day. I can have a day where I, where we clear some good business, we make some money or something great happens from a financial standpoint. Yeah. And all I remember is that somebody came to me and they were having trouble with something like a, a public speaking event or something and they were freaking out. Yeah. And I, I was able to sit down with them, work with them. And then they come back and tell me the next day, you, it was fantastic. Everything you said worked, you know, I, I wasn't nervous. And that to me is a, is a much higher value, especially, especially where I am right now in my life. I think that's my uh, measure of success. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Marty. Thank you, man. Thank you for, you know, coming on the show and dropping some gems on us and and teaching us. Uh, I've, my greatest takeaway was be that self-talk instead of listening to it. That is huge. Um, uh, please tell me where can I follow you? I'm going to go grab your book and I'm going to read it. Uh, where can uh, the people who see this also grab your book and read it and uh, and uh, keep up with all your work? Sure. So if you go to MartyStrongBeNimble.com. That's my author website. I've got articles. There's also links to both my uh, novels and to uh, Be Nimble and my uh, my new uh, business book, Be Visionary, which will be out at the end of the year. Just went live for pre-sale on Amazon. So they're all on Amazon. But if you go to MartyStrongBeNimble.com, that's the easiest, quickest way to, to tap into all that. All right. And we can see it right here. We got your email number and uh, everything about you right here. There you go. Yeah. And there's all the, there are all the book covers. There's actually four books in each of the two novel series. Those are just uh -huh. representations. Be nimble. All right. Thank you, Marty. I appreciate you. Um, is there anything that maybe I should have asked or that you just want to say to everyone before we go? Um, just if you, if you end up going to, uh, my website, the uh -huh. novels, all the proceeds go to the seal veterans foundation Yeah, focuses on, uh, caring for people with PTSD and, and traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Uh, the business books that's, that's, uh, I make money off of those and I, and I use those for my consulting practice, but the, the novels, all the proceeds go to the seal veterans foundation. So great organization. And, uh, you read a book, you're helping a vet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Marty, man. You're really extraordinary guy. I appreciate everything that you've done. Thank you for your service, uh, to this country. Thank you for dropping some gems and, uh, and, uh, helping us become better. Well, thanks for having me, Roy. It's right. been a pleasure. Thank you guys for watching live. Uh, we are also going to post this interview on all platforms. If you see it somewhere, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe. 
hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, always remember to be yourself. Peace. This is the Entrepreneur Underdog. Business secrets to help doubted entrepreneurs triumph. The Underdog Entrepreneur is where we use fast-acting shortcuts to help underdog entrepreneurs make more money, have a bigger impact, and live a better lifestyle so that they can prove their haters wrong. And now, your host, Roy Red. Roy Red. Roy Red.